Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Thursday, June 8th. This is On Deck. I'm Steven Nesbitt, and I'm here with Levi Weaver. First question for you, Levi. What's the opposite of a mea culpa? Because that's what the Cardinals owe me. You a culpa. (laughs) That's got to be it. That's correct. On today's show, we are going to try to determine who is the best team in baseball right here in early June. We could just skip the rest of the season. We'll figure it out for you guys. But the Rangers and the Rays are squaring off this weekend, and they currently have the two best records in baseball. We're also going to preview our other top series of the week. We're going to make our arms race predictions. Steven's got quite a ways to go to catch up to me on that. And then also, Steven's going to share with us an exclusive story of his time teaching baseball to a friendly flock of passing geese. Much as I'd, I'd like to go into the Uacalpa with what's wrong again with the St. Louis Cardinals, we are going to actually pivot to that, to the good teams in baseball, because this is this is a whale of a series we have in the early season. I don't know if either of us would have had going into the season Tampa and Texas as the, the first two teams across the 40-win plateau, which is important because no team in history has ever uh, won a World Series without crossing the 40-win plateau. So, but first... Levi, we need to touch on something pretty important. Uh, the loss of Jacob deGrom to the, not just to the injured list, but for this season, for probably next season, as he undergoes another UCL surgery. Chris Young Jim was just on Starkville earlier this week, and they were talking all about the, the good vibes, the good feelings around that club, the free agent signings that had hit over the last two off seasons, and the sort of specter hovering above it was that Jacob deGrom was injured and we don't know exactly when he's going to be back and now now we know it's going to be a long time does that substantially change how you feel about these Rangers um, who have taken off and currently lead the AL West it does and it doesn't I mean obviously deGrom is a one of those transcendent talents and a team that is trying to go contend for the postseason you don't lose a guy like that and just brush it off but they are I forgot to write down the number but I think they're 25 and 9 since he hit the injured list uh, Nathan Ovaldi has been an ace. John Gray has been very, very good. So you wouldn't think that losing somebody of DeGrom's talent level would be not really a death blow, but it really hasn't been a death blow so far. And I I think from just a mental standpoint, I think there's probably it's probably good that they've had these 34 games since he's been out and won 25 of them. Because if it had been straight to the injured list and immediately they go, he's out, it's Tommy John. That might have been a more difficult thing to overcome just from a, a vibes standpoint. But now that the news comes, you know, over a month later, hey, by the way, this guy that's already been out for a month, he's going to be out for a lot of more months. And you can look back and go, well, you know, we've been winning without him. So let's just keep doing that. I, I think that is, I don't know that you can use the phrase best case scenario when it comes to UCL surgery, but this is probably the best case scenario. And by the way, as of right now, it is still just UCL surgery, but the Rangers, once the doctors get in and open up his elbow, they're going to determine whether it's a full Tommy John or whether they think they can get by with the elbow brace surgery. Neither one is going to get him back for the postseason. That's still at least a year, but you know the, the brace surgery has a little bit quicker recovery window. So that's still a possibility. But yeah, I, mean, I think the Rangers are still, I think they're fine. And the goal was really to contend for the postseason. I think they are carry on guys i think you're going to accomplish that goal the question is now how do they do in the postseason and i hope i'm not jinxing them by saying that how do they do in the postseason without somebody of degrom's caliber we're gonna get a lot more degrom talk on the 3-0 show so we'll spin things forward a little bit to this upcoming series uh in saint pete the rays currently 44 and 19 the rangers 40 and 20 at time of recording Every week I do the power rankings with a couple other colleagues here, and it's been an easy pencil to raise into the number one spot. And lately, this week, it was 
yeah, the Rangers are my number two team. Clearly, things could flip. Uh, this could be the first time the Rays are, are knocked off the, the number one spot all season. The Rangers are, are certainly poised to do it. What's interesting is that these two teams are built almost entirely differently from the way they're built to how they're doing it, I think. From the way they're built, the Rangers did it through free agency, right? They had a couple guys coming through the system they knew would help, but they needed to spend a lot of money to get themselves up to contender status. And they've gotten there. It's worked out despite not having Jacob deGrom in the first look at a five-year deal he had a 267 ERA in six starts that's all they're going to have for for quite some time and I'm not saying this is not that you know that deal's not going to look okay in the long run he's so good that if they can get two healthy seasons out of it then you know that changes the whole complexion with the way that they have hit on these other signings but the Rays have done this with smaller moves no like blockbuster things happening the biggest thing they did was trading away Willie Adamas which was not necessarily looked at like a, a plus at that point in time but they had Wonder Franco coming up right behind him so two teams have, have done it differently and the other thing you look at pitching staffs are right front and center in this the Rays are like the stuffiest team out there as far as stuff plus you know they have this guy just have ridiculous stuff and they get injured left and right but they have enough of them coming to make up for it, they're getting to a point where they actually have a pretty stable rotation despite losing a couple guys early in the season in Jeffrey Springs, in Drew Rasmussen. They have Todd Bradley, Shane McClanahan, Zach Eflin, Tyler Glass now there mm-hmm. at this point. And the Rangers are doing it with a group that, despite not having DeGrom, looks really solid in his veterans. And, and uh, they're doing it with Dane Dunning is, is like shockingly the, the plug-in for D- Jacob DeGrom and is putting up basically the same numbers that DeGrom had earlier this season. 2-5-2 ERA over six starts, 14 appearances, 53 innings already. I guess that was the, the plan all along. But he's got a 77 stuff plus, you know, Saris's beloved metric. Martin Perez has a 76 stuff plus. This is a team that does it in a, in a different way where more location over stuff, but uh, certainly has been working so far. It's interesting, though, because you point out the differences in how the rosters were constructed. But as far as looking at the results, they've been kind of similar, right? That you get the two best offenses in baseball. The starting rotations have been pretty good, and then the bullpens have faltered. The bullpens have been their weaknesses. But I would like to point out something. I just looked up bullpen performance over the last two weeks because as I'm sitting here writing like, yep, bullpen suck. Let's go on to the next thing. I was like, hang on. Bullpen hasn't actually looked that bad recently. Let's look this up. Over the last two weeks, and this is as of Wednesday afternoon when we're recording, the Texas Rangers bullpen for relief pitchers ranks first in baseball in home runs per fly ball at 0%, home runs per nine, zero. They haven't given up a home run in two weeks. They rank uh, first in FWAR. They are, I think, 1.3 FWAR for the bullpen over the last two weeks. They And they're doing all of this, by the way, with a 340 Babbitt. So they're probably getting a little bit unlucky. Uh, they rank fifth in walks per nine. And then, you know, down into eighth for K per nine. But, like, they've been a good bullpen the last couple of weeks. And meanwhile, the Rays are okay. Kind of middle of the pack on all of those stats, except for walks per nine. They are walking 6.15 batters per nine, which is next to last in the league. And then when you look at the offenses, you kind of would probably think to give the Rays an edge because their offense has been just the juggernaut when they came out of the gates at opening day. It just looked like there'd be no offense that could ever top them. But I stretched this one out to the last month, and the Rangers have scored 165 runs. That's first in the league. Rays have scored 141. Uh, The Rangers are first in OPS. The Rays are 11th at 753. Uh, Rangers are second in on-base percentage. So the, like, the Rangers are better than the Rays over at least the last two to four weeks in like every facet of the game, except stolen bases. The Rays have 49 stolen bases in the last month. That's by far the first in the league. But I, I kind of, this is going to make me sound like a homer, I kind of give the Rangers the edge in this series over the weekend. So 
it will be interesting for sure. I mean, you get two great teams that are looking to establish dominance. Can't wait. Yeah, I'd be surprised if this goes a sweep either way. I think this is the one where they're actually incredibly evenly matched at this point. Um, the top two teams in run differential. Uh, I was looking up the OPS plus of these two teams, and both of them have eight guys over 120 OPS plus. If you don't care about that stat, it just 100 is average, so 120 means that you're 20% better than league average. Um, as a hitter, both teams have eight guys. Uh, the Rangers, it goes from Mitch Garver's 180 in a small sample to Corey Seager, Ezekiel Duran, Marcus Simeon, Josh Young. Adelis Garcia, Jonah Heim, Nathaniel Lowe. And on the flip side, the Rays have like the, the guys you've, you've suddenly like gotten very used to hearing their names at the top of all the leaderboards. Yandy Diaz, Luke Rayleigh, Josh Lowe, Randy Rosarena, Wander Franco, Jose Siri, Harold Ramirez, and Isaac Paredes. And uh, both of them have a middle infield already over three war, uh, B-war. Marcus Simeon at 3.3 and Wander Franco at 3.9. So evenly matched here. The starters you're going to see this weekend, probable as of uh, as of Wednesday. Heaney, Ivaldi, Perez for the Rangers. Bradley, McClanahan, Eflin for the Rays. So going to be a pretty titanic matchup and uh, one I'm really excited for this weekend. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB Show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. For my second matchup of the week, I am pulling the old Sunday Night Baseball special and going with the Yankees and the Red Sox because that's just a matchup that everybody's going to care about forever. Uh, while I was on those Fangraph pages to look up Rangers and Rays, I decided why not put the same thing towards the uh, Yankees and the Red Sox. So in the last 30 days, the Red Sox have hit the most home runs in the league at 54. The Red Sox are 19th. Uh, sorry, no, 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 28th, they've hit 19 home runs. Um, the Yankees' offense looks significantly better than the Red Sox. But when you start to look at the pitching, the Yankees' pitching over the last couple of weeks, 25th in the league in FWAR. Uh, I mean, they're kind of that middle of the pack. And uh, by the way, would you like to take a guess who leads the league in pitching FWAR over the last two weeks? <laughs> I have no idea. It's the Boston Red Sox. player. <laughs> the Boston Red Sox of all teams. which player. Oh, no, 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 no. 
the collection of pitchers. Uh, the, the Red Sox have been the best pitching staff in wow. the league in the last two weeks. So basically, you've got a good pitching and defense team with the Red Sox against a good hitting team in the Yankees. And the flip side of either of those is faltering pretty bad. Speaking of not giving up home runs, well, hey, Aaron Judge is out. So the Red Sox are probably going to continue to succeed at that, or at least they've eliminated the biggest threat. And then, uh, yeah, they're, they're starting to get good pitching. from James Paxton had a good outing recently. Um, meanwhile, the Yankees, just when you thought they were coming back from this injury bug, judges on the IL. Nestor Cortez, not that he was doing that great, but he's on the injured list. So I think any AL matchup is just going to be interesting this whole year. I mean, top to bottom, right? Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays, uh, Red Sox, Yankees. Anytime any of those teams is playing the others, it's just interesting this year. So, yeah, I am going to be keeping an eye on that one. Let's hear yours. My series I picked as staying in the in the AL, but going out west is the Mariners going to the Angels with an eye ahead to the wild card race as early as it is in the season. Currently, you have the Astros, Yankees, and Orioles in the wild card spots. Um, it seemed sort of at the beginning of the year like the East might take all three spots, but at this point, with the way the Rangers have gone, the Astros always coming, then uh, I'm gonna guess one of those spots goes to the West. So if you look. At the other contenders, who could sneak into the wild card competition? The Jays are there. The Red Sox are sort of in that conversation, and then the the Angels and, and Mariners are right there as well. Four games back for the Angels and, and five for the Mariners. The Angels are getting to a healthier place. Anthony Rendon is back from the injured list. They're going to be lining up Otani, Patrick Sandoval, and Griffin Canning over the weekend. I mean, they have the the proven stars to do it. They just need to do it consistently. And they've had the recently the three-headed monster of uh, Otani Trout and Mickey Moniak, who is batting 302 with a 956 OPS in 15 games. They've had troubles in the rotation, despite Otani, Sandoval, and Canning being being all right. Tyler Anderson, the kind of a questionable offseason signing, has not been great. Reed Detmers has not been great either. Still very young at this age. And on the, the other side, the Mariners have generally gotten really good rotation contributions. They're going to roll out uh, Luis Castillo, Brian Wu, and Bryce Miller. However, Miller got blow, blown up the last two two outings. Brian Wu just got called up. Their top two players by by war so far this season are pitchers, Luis Castillo and George Kirby. There's a team that's relying a ton on their pitching staff and on that park to do some work for them. The lineup is one that just strikes out a ton. Like, look at the strikeout leaderboards. You're going to see Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kalanick, Teoscar Hernandez, and Eugenio Suarez all up there. So I feel like we're still waiting for some of those guys to fully click. Teoscar Hernandez has not been great. Julio has not been quite as electric as last year, but I think he's starting to to hit his stride. Both guys homered last night, though. Both guys homered last well, night? Well, not last night. Sorry, Tuesday night. Yes, that was one of the games I was watching. So they need to turn it on here, and this is an opportunity for them to make some some waves here as they're sitting at 500, 30, and 30 to do some catching up because this is not a wildcard race that's going to wait around for you, I think, for, over the course of the year. You know, Blue Jays are going to keep pushing. The Red Sox, if they have a chance, will we'll keep pushing all in at the trade deadline. So that's my series of the week. Yeah, and the, the Mariners pitching has been objectively good this year. It's kept them afloat. But again, looking at the last two weeks, they're homer per nine, one, what are we at? 1.68, that's 28th in the league. They've had the 21st most FWAR from their pitching staff in the last couple of weeks. And their homer to fly ball rate is 15.5%, which is 28th in the league. It's uh, a good pitching staff. Maybe it's just a little blip in the radar. But man, if that thing falters and the offense doesn't come back, Seattle's in, in real trouble. And when you lose someone like Marco Gonzalez, he's never going to be like your number one or number two. But if you have him over having a, a rookie just making his first starts, you're going to feel pretty good. And then Robbie Ray, of course, who they dumped a lot of money on last year out with Tommy John. So they need someone like Bryce Miller to find it again, Brian Wu to click. So we'll keep an eye on Seattle. All right, it's time for our weekly Thursday topic. It is arms race. This is a 
And while this is a, a, a time in our show dominated by Levi Weaver, he is 4-0 through four weekends. You know the drill by now. We each pick a starting pitcher for the weekend and uh, a matchup. And uh, we get the best game score 2.0 from Fangraphs. And uh, it's just not gone well for me. Whatever the formula is, I have not captured it. But I do think I actually have it this weekend. So I'm going to be kind because I feel so confident. I'm going to leave. I go first. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought you were going first, so I had to pick two. You know what? Can I can I pass and let you go first? Yeah. I'm being kind here. This is like when you're playing basketball and you make it and you've been doing make it, take it. And then you're like, buddy, here, this, it, you take the ball. You need a chance to have the ball. I've been stealing it. And uh, that's probably the least nice way to be nice. But there you go. You go, you go first. Yeah, I checked it to you. You checked it back to me. Yeah, we're just going in circles. This is easy then. I'm taking Zach Gallon against the Tigers on Saturday. That is the one I was going to pick. <laughs> easy pick. There are a couple more I like, but that's a team I had not picked yet. Still on the board. Zach Gallon, that's my pick. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito versus the Marlins because the Marlins offense is garbage, except for Luis Arias, who's hitting 400. But he can give up a couple of singles. That's fine because he's been striking out. You know, he's, he's, he's fine. Not Arias hasn't been striking out. Giolito has been getting anyway you know what I mean Giolito versus Miami that's my pick I like that pick he might run into some walk troubles but the way that offense is constructed is basically like Arias and, and that's kind of it I, we shouldn't disrespect them they're on a five-game winning streak they're in second place and, and starting to give the Braves a little bit of uh a little yeah bit their of pitching here, is pretty but, good yeah okay that sounds good that's uh that's a nice pick I think this is actually gonna, gonna work out in my favor for once but we'll have to see just how disastrously this goes all right, it's time for us to hit the exits. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to producer Brian for the help behind the scenes. You can find our work all week long at theathletic.com. You can subscribe for $2 per month for 12 months at theathletic.com slash baseball show. Sign up for The Windup, the Athletic's daily baseball newsletter with Levi and Ken Rosenthal for absolutely free. Later in your feed, the 3-0 show, DVR, Eno, and Britt. Going to go even deeper on the Jacob DeGrom conversation and what it does for the Rangers and their postseason hopes. Give us a follow on Twitter. Levi is at 32EFIS and I'm at Stephen J. Nesbitt. We'll be back on Monday with more of What's on Deck. I'm really bummed out we missed time for the geese story. You were, the, the, the part about where they're bad at bunting. That was my favorite part. If you guys see Stephen in real life, ask him about it. It's a banger story. <laughs>